these last few weeks, we've been spending time exploring, diving into, and, and exploring this Word of God, this love of God, the love that God has for us. It is deep water. We could spend more than a month here. We could spend decades here. We could spend our life here trying to understand God's love for us. In the, you know, in the beginning, we talked about God's love and, and reminded us that God really does love us. He spoke through the prophets and he spoke to his people and said, I love you. I betrothed you to me forever. Come to me. I am merciful and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. God desires a relationship with us. And not only did God just talk about it, then he came. He sent his son. That he would live among us and demonstrate God's love, but also that he would die. That we could have life. And in scripture it says, no greater love has a man than this than he would lay down his life for his friend. God has laid down his life for us. This is love. When we talked about it, and we, I realized on that first week, the very next week we need to talk about, well, what happens when we don't feel God's love? When maybe we're busy in our lives and we're just distant from God, or maybe something has happened in our life and we've, it's somehow come between us and God. That's a reality. That happens in our faith sometimes. But to remind us that God is present even in the desert times. God is present. Even when we don't feel like God is present, He is still there with us. God loves us. And then we talked about it even just last week. You know, this is an amazing thing. If we desire to draw close to God, there are ways for us to do it. We can pray and read His Word. We can spend time with faithful friends who will encourage us. There is a way for us to draw close to God. And James promises, if you draw near to God, God will draw near to you. This is the great news. We aren't just left on our own. If we draw close to God, He will move close to us. And I'm thinking about this week and this sermon about us and about God's love and what do we do with it. I'm worried a little bit. This is the last week of this sermon. Or sorry, of this season, or this series. I'm concerned that you guys are going to take these last four weeks as we've been exploring and listening to the Word of God, to this love for us, that you're going to put it on the shelf with all the other sermons you've heard about God's love for you. You're going to take it for granted that God loves you. He loves you so deeply. You're His children and He loves you. I'm worried that you're going to listen to the sermon and you're going to leave here and you're going to go on because you've heard that before. I mean, you've heard the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. You've heard it so many times that maybe you won't let it be true for you today. That you won't hear the words, God loves you. The living God loves you. Ironically, that can be hard for us to accept. It's surprising that as Christians, it can be hard for us to accept, let alone enjoy. To enjoy these words that God loves you. To enjoy the reality that Jesus Christ loves you. Let that sink in. Take just a moment and let that sink in. Let the reality sink in that God loves you. Don't come up with excuses why he shouldn't or don't try to divert yourself with something else to think about. Just let it be true that God loves you. He loves you. When we begin to realize this, when we begin to enjoy this, this truth that God loves us, it changes our lives. In the sunny days, things are bright. The trees are greener. 
The breeze feels warmer. Things are just better. We have this smile on our face. People wonder what's going on with us. In the dark days, when things are hard, when there is little joy in us, we still have this smile. This smile like we know a secret. Like we know a secret that this is not all there is. That all the things that people think are important are not all there is to this life. Even when things are hard for us, even when things are, and the days are gray and things are hard, we still have this secret that God is with us. That Jesus Christ is for us. We have this joy that endures even when things are difficult. And this love of God, it gives us a boldness. It gives us a way to live life with courage. Because we don't have to rely on stuff anymore. We can care less what the stock market is doing. When the doctor gives us the diagnosis, we aren't as concerned. Because our security is somewhere else. Our security is in Christ. Not in the stuff we have. Not in the things that we try to do to make ourselves important. Our security is in Christ. When this is the place of our security, when when our safety is in God, when our safety is in Christ, we stop needing money to make us feel secure. We stop needing stuff to remind us how important we are or how successful we are. We stop needing to play it safe and stay in control of things. We're able to risk, to live life more boldly. We can live life more boldly. This is what I hope, that when we hear that God loves us, that we would enjoy it. This morning we're going to be talking about what it means, like what do we do with God's love? Now that we understand, or now that we're beginning to understand that God loves us, what do we do with that? The first thing that we do is we enjoy it. We relish it. We soak it up. God loves you. Just don't take it for granted. Enjoy it. Take it and run or reject it altogether. Just don't give it a half-hearted faith. Don't take it for granted. Don't go through the motions. See, as Christians, we're notorious for this. We're notorious for taking God's love for granted. We talked about it some two weeks ago, about how distant, how different God is from us, how He's holy, and how He is not just something we can just grab onto and hold like a child. We, know, we are notorious for taking God for granted. We pray, God, enter my life. And then we go on about our business. God, come into my life and see where you can fit in on the edges. See, God, I've got a few extra hours I can give you this week. Or a few extra minutes I can give you today. We try to fit God in on the edges of our life. We invite God into our life and we say, just don't touch the furniture. It's comfortable where it's at. Life is comfortable where it's at. I think of this as like this pie chart. It's this circle where we give slices to parts of our life. You know, people think, oh, you know, I've got 10%, a few hours a week where I can give God some time. And when on those weeks when we were feeling really spiritual, maybe a few extra more, maybe 25% of our time we can give to God. God's not after slices of our life. 
He's not after just a little bit more. He's after the whole thing. All of our life. Our whole life that is then lived through our faith. God's not interested in just a little bit more. Maybe I can squeeze in a few more minutes for him today. He's after our whole life. Our whole life then that is lived through our faith in him. Everything through Christ. You see, when we start trying to give God little pieces of life, we start trying to live our life and just squeeze God in where we can, in Scripture there's a word for this. It's lukewarm. In the book of Revelation, Jesus speaks and he says, I wish you were either hot or cold. Because you're lukewarm, I spit you out of my mouth. Notice he doesn't say, because you're lukewarm, I stomach it anyways. I try to just thank you that you're even water. He says, I spit you out of my mouth. And see, we hate to think about lukewarm. For lukewarm to ever be us. Let me give you some ideas of what lukewarm is like. When we start thinking, you know, I've already been to church once this month. You know, God knows that I love Him. I can, I can, you know, I've got some other important things I need to do. I don't know, maybe I'll go this Sunday. It depends on what else comes up. Or maybe we're stingy with our money, with our time, with our resources. You know, we're happy to give, to help people, as long as it doesn't take too much from us, as long as we still have plenty left over for ourselves. How much are we willing to sacrifice to help others? To have less so that we have more to give to others? Or maybe it's sin. You know, we thank God, we, we confess our sin to God, we ask for His forgiveness. Not so much because we don't like the sin or because we hate it, it's because we don't like the consequences of it. We still love the sin. We don't want to change that. We just want the God to forgive us for it. And while we're talking about sin, we start thinking, you oh, know, what's, what, what's, what's the big deal about this? I'm not so bad. I haven't killed anybody. I don't steal things. I mean, look at my neighbor down the street. I'm proving pretty good compared to him. We start minimizing our sin. We start lowering the bar. See how low we can lower the bar to get in. What's the bare minimum, God? That's what I want. Our life begins consumed by this question of what's the bare minimum? What's the very least I have to do? This is the wrong question. This is the lukewarm question. The faithful question starts asking God, how do I follow you? How can I give more? What else can I do, God? Because I love you. Not because I'm trying to earn my spot with you, but because I love you and I desire to do this. You see, the trouble with lukewarm is that it begins to reveal our heart. We begin to realize that we love God, not so much that we love God, we just love what God can do for us. In one of his books, John Piper talks about the you know, Christian idea of heaven. And one of the ways you know kind of where you're at with God is like, if you could have heaven, all the great things, everything you ever want in life and leisure and, and great things, you know, just the typical idea of heaven and God wasn't there, would that still be okay for you? See, some people start thinking, like, oh, you know, that, that, that changes things for me because I hadn't thought about that. You know, our relationship is with God. Our love is for God. It's great the things that He does for us, but ultimately our relationship is with Him. You see, sometimes we struggle with this because we, we sort of act like the Gospel said, 
if you whoever would follow me, let them, let them pray and, and say that they devote their lives for me and then go on living the way they always wanted to. That's not what it says. Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever loses their life, so whoever tries to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. Following Christ takes devotion. It's our whole life. And we struggle as Christians. I struggle to not take God for granted. See, I'm saying these things, and I'm talking about this this morning because not because I'm trying to lay on this guilt trip. Another sermon guilt trip. I'm saying this to try and get at the truth. To get at the truth in love. Because I love you. Because you're my family. And the last thing I want us to do is to think that lukewarm faith is what God delights in. It's not. He delights in a heart devoted to Him. This is what God desires. He desires a heart that loves Him. And so I say these things to challenge us or to spur us on, to desire Christ, to love Him, to give our whole life to Him. Not just the few minutes we can spare at the end of the day or the hour and a half we can spare at the end of the week, but that we give our life to Him and follow Him. Now I know you. You are my friends and I know your heart. I know that you desire the things that God desires. You desire to see this church filled with our community with our neighbors, that they would find this new life in Christ. You desire to see children who are starving. You desire to see them fed. You desire to see people who are homeless. You want to see them in a house. People who struggle with addictions, you want to see them free of addiction. You want to see them healed. I know you want to see this. But here comes the rub. Do we want to see it more than the comfort in our life? We'd be willing to set down some of the comfort in our lives so that we could be about these things. We could be about bringing wholeness to our community. Wholeness to people that we know who are broken. I know you desire good things. I know, and me too, we desire good things, but are we willing to do something about it? To faithfully and out of devotion do something about it? You see, this world is not impressed by Christians who sit on the fence. I mean, there's heroes of faith, you know, I mean, like, I think like Mother Teresa or Billy Graham, people who sold out their lives. I'm not saying we have to be like them, but riding the fence doesn't impress anyone. I have conversations with people about church and people who aren't in part of the church, and they say, you know, what's the big deal? Like, why do I need to be a part of the church? I see people who are Christians, and I don't see much difference between them and everybody else. I mean, I have friends who aren't Christian, and they're, they're kind, they're honorable, or they're honest, they don't steal from people. They do a few good things for charity here and there. What's the need for even church? When we sit on the fence, it doesn't impress anyone. It doesn't give glory to God. People see it and they say, what's the difference? I'm saying this to encourage us. To encourage you because I love you. And because love for God will mean that we love others. It calls us to actively display this love. To live out this love. Don't take God's love for granted. Take it, embrace it, enjoy it, live it out or reject it. Just don't do it half-hearted. You 
see, if we love God, or if when we begin to love God or receive God's love in our lives, when we begin to understand how much God loves us, we will love other people. It's just the way it works. It's the way that it's always worked. God's love will change our lives. And we will want to make changes in our life to love people better. We'll, make, we'll want to make changes to sacrifice things that we have so that we can love people more. As we heard in John this morning, John tells us about God's love and how much God loves us. And he makes this connection between God's love for us and our love for other people. He said love is this, that we would obey the commands of God. That we would love God and obey His commands. This is how we express our love back to God. Jesus' command was go and make disciples and baptize them. Not say a prayer to me and then go on about your life like nothing ever changed. This is love for God, that we would follow His commands. That we would love people. It's unfortunate we didn't get to see the video this morning. It's been good how God has been bringing all this together for this morning, this Compassion Sunday. Now, I've heard of people who go on mission trips. They go to foreign countries. They do work there. They minister to people there. And sometimes they come back and they think, you know, like there's a child who was living on a garbage dump. Families living in cardboard boxes. That was their house. And some people come back and say, it just makes you grateful for what we have. And that's it. That's good. I mean, it's, it's good to be thankful. Don't get me wrong. It's good to thank God for the blessings that we have here. Here in Balfour, here in Canada. Praise God for what He has done for us. But if all we do is stop at gratitude, we've missed it. God is calling us beyond gratitude. Gratitude is the place to begin, but He's also calling us beyond it. I feel like God has rescued us. We were, we were drowning in the water and He has rescued us. He's put our feet on solid ground. And we stand on the shore there and we watch other people in the water and we say, thank God I'm on the beach. God is calling us to go back in the water. To go back in the water and bring other people out. To tell them about Jesus and what He's done to serve them so that they would see God's love. You see, people will know God's love through us. People will know God's love in this world by the way that we love them. So we must love people intentionally with purpose and commitment. Loving people who are hard to love. Loving even our neighbors who drive us crazy. Loving them so that they would see God's love in their life. That they would see someone who loves them despite, even though they've done nothing to deserve it. They might just catch a glimpse of what God's love is like. And it works in us. If we do this, not only does it help them, it helps us. It matures us as believers. It grows us up. That no longer we have this childlike faith where it's all about us and what God gives us, but it's about helping others, about being a blessing to others, about loving them well. Jesus was teaching his disciples and he says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners do that. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. And then you'll receive blessing in heaven. Love people. God's love for us works in love out to others. He's calling us to love others. 
Because people will know God's love through us. Through the things that we do, people will know God's love. We are the body of Christ. If Jesus was the the incarnation of God, if He was the one who came and showed us what God's love looks like in life, then we are the body of Christ. We are the hands that go and lift people up. We are the mouth of God that encourages those who need help. We are the feet of God that go to far places and bring good news. We are the arms of God that then embrace people who need to be held. God's love in us must work into us loving others. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. The two are connected. It's not just by chance that he just said those two together. They are connected. There is a cycle. There is a way that if we receive God's love more, the more we understand and accept and and love God, the more we will love people. The more that we will love others. The more we'll be willing to give up our stuff so we have more to help others. Love is how people will know God. And if we are unloving then there's something wrong. There's something not right. I used to belong to this church, or I was a member of this church, and there was a guy there who was angry. He was angry, and he was mean. He was mean to people in the church, to visitors, even kids who would use parts of the church, he would yell at them. If they made it dirtier, if they did something, they wrote on the walls, he would yell at them. He had, a, he had a reputation as being the angry man. You know, something was not quite right. In John, he says, if you, are not, if you do not have love, if you are not loving, then you don't know God because God is love. Now, I think, like he had anger, but I think there was things underneath that. What was it that made him so angry? How did he relate to God? Was God loving Father for him? Or was God like giant cop in the sky waiting to zap him? I don't know. If we will receive God's love, we will be different. It won't be easy, but we will be different. We'll still be human, but we'll be a different kind of human. A person who is loving and gracious. And it begins right here in this church. It begins right here with your brothers and sisters. That we are gracious with each other. That we love each other. That we help each other. When we do something that wounds each other, when we say something that is rude, or we've done something that betrays a friend, someone here in our church, that we ask for forgiveness. We apologize. And when someone apologizes, we are quick to forgive. Because we are always trying to be reconciled, to keep this family together. But it doesn't just end here. This love that we have in this church goes outside of these walls as well. This church is a mission outpost here in the Kootenays. God's mission begins and flows out through here. The church is not just here to serve its own purpose, just to keep the doors open. We are here on a mission. God has set us here to love the people of this community. To love them and to serve them, to encourage them in faith. Our love will cause us to do this. 
God's love in us will cause us to do this. All of this, all this talk about love and about serving our neighbors, about loving them well, all of this comes out of devotion. Out of our devotion to God. Because if we try to do this on our own merit, if we try to do this on our own character, we will run out of gas. And it will go wrong. But God's love in us will sustain us in this. God's love will sustain us in this. God is calling us to love people. He's calling us to love people. And if we're going to rely on ourselves, it's going to go wrong. We'll get tired, and then we'll get frustrated, and then we'll get frustrated with people, because they just won't get into line. But if God loves us, if we're doing it for God's sake and for their sake, it changes us. It makes us patient with people. And God's love will sustain us in this. See, I'm not talking about that somehow we earn our love with God. We are saved by grace. We are saved by grace. And it seems like so often, so hard for Christians to accept this. Some people get it, and that's great. But some people still try to earn it. They still try to work it off. Maybe it's pride. Maybe they don't want to owe anything to anyone. They've never taken a hand out in their life and they're not going to start now, even with God. If this sounds like you, if this begins to sound like something you think of, set that down. Let God's grace, let God love you and sustain you. That all of your ministry, all the things that you do, all the service that you do for people here in this church and for this community comes out of God's love for you. I'm talking about devotion. Duty is good and has its place, but if that's the only place our faith comes from, we will struggle and we will fail. Duty can only last so long. Our faith must come out of devotion, out of a desire to see what God sees, out of a desire to see God glorified, out of a desire to see God glorified and lifted high, to see God praised, for us the desire to praise God ourselves. To see our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers praise His name. To see God's kingdom come. The more that we understand God's love for us, the more we will desire to see His kingdom come. To see justice roll. To see the, the starving, to see them fed. To see those who are homeless, to see them in a house. To see our friends who struggle with addiction, to be set free. To see our friends who are alienated and alone, to see family and community come around them. For those who struggle with sin, to see them saved and brought to new life in Christ. When we start to feel God's love, when we start to receive God's love, this will be our desire too. And we'll want it so bad that we will be willing to rearrange our week for it. We'll be willing to rearrange our life for it. Setting down our other priorities that we can focus on this, this one thing. These last few weeks we've been talking, we've been exploring, we've been spending time in God's love trying to understand it. And I continue to pray for us as a church. I continue to pray for us that we would be filled with God's Spirit. That God would fill each of us, refresh us each week, refresh our lives. I've been praying that God, that Christ would dwell in our hearts based on love. And I've been praying that we would begin to understand even just a little bit more the length and the width, the height and the depth of God's love for us. That we begin to understand that just a little bit more. That God truly loves us. So much so that He sent His Son. That His Son walked among us, healed the sick, touched the untouchables, 
and then died on a cross that we might have life and live forever with God. Even when things go hard, be reminded, take heart, because God is with us. And He loves us. Even when when the people of Israel were out in the desert, God was still present with them. Though they complained about the rock and the water, and though they complained about food, and then what kind of food it was, God was still present with them. God was still present. This love moves us. This love calls us to a new thing. To a new priority in God. That Jesus Christ becomes the one thing that we are devoted to. The one thing that is central to our life. That Jesus becomes the one who presses us out to love others. To love others in the name of Christ. This is what God is calling us to. This is love. That we would love others. Amen.